0: Trials, brokenness, peer pressure, isolation, bullying, drama, anxiety, depression, mean comments on social media, fear, suicidal thoughts, stress, darkness, divorce, death of a loved one, messy friendships, sickness, lack of self-confidence, negative body image, Abuse, loneliness. This is an overwhelming list, and we live in an overwhelming world with so many trials. When I was 14, my grandma, Bess, passed away. Grandma Bess was really important to me. She came to my dance recitals, my choir concerts, and she even taught me how to bake. One of my favorite memories with Grandma Bess was when she bought me Culver's ice cream. I felt so loved. Less than two months later, after our ice cream date, I stood next to her bed and watched her take her last breath. I remember grabbing a blanket and sitting on a maroon chair, overwhelmed with sadness and confusion. You see, that year, I had been to seven funerals for multiple of my classmates' dads, two of my grandparents, for a friend of mine who died in a car accident. Just when I thought that I had finally ended all the trials in my life, that I could finally take a deep breath and have a break from a trial, my sweet Grandma Bess took her last breath. And to be honest, I didn't really know what to do. I tried talking to God, I did, and our conversations usually went something like this. God, I do not understand. I am so confused. I feel so alone alone. I am sick of getting hit with trial after trial. Why is this happening? What am I supposed to do? Are you there? Do you care about me? If you aren't going to do anything, God, I'm going to take control. I reacted to this trial in hopelessness, and I crumbled to the floor, literally. I found myself sitting on the floor in my bathroom about a month after my grandma passed away, and I realized that I was numb that I had stuffed the pain so far down that I actually felt nothing at all. I was desperate to feel anything, so I chose to cut my wrist, a physical expression of the hopelessness that I was feeling on the inside. We all react to trials in our lives in different ways. You might react in hopelessness too, or maybe you react in fear, or maybe you react in anxiety. And not anxiety, the mental illness, but anxiety, meaning being overwhelmed with worry. So go ahead and take a look at this diagram on the screen. I'm a big visual learner, and this visual helped me better understand each of these reactions when it came to these trials. Because when we react in hopelessness, hopelessness will crumble you, keeping you from standing. Fear will tell you to run away, and anxiety will tell you to jump into something now. And these are normal and human reactions. Guys, this is hard stuff, and I don't know what trials you're going through, but I do know that each person in this room is struggling with something. But I have some really good news for each of you. In an overwhelming world, God promises peace through being still in Him. So for the past two weeks, we have been learning about the story of Moses and the Israelites, and how God's people experienced many trials in the Book of Exodus. Last week, Katie talked about the Passover and how God proved God proved that He would stop at nothing to save His people. Through lamb's blood, God set His people, the Israelites, free from the slave master Pharaoh. The Israelites, God's people, are free. And freedom is a brand new experience for them. They've never been free before. And as always, God is faithful, and he is now leading Moses and the Israelites to a new home, the promised land. But they have no idea where this land is. But the cool thing is, God is leading them to this new home in the form of a cloud. A cloud, and this cloud followed them and kept them safe and guided these people. Where the cloud went, the Israelites went. And God led the people through the wilderness and had them stop, by, stop for the night at the Red Sea. And the story's over. The Israelites are free. God is with his people. The end. End of chaos. Just kidding. Just when the Israelites thought they could stop and take a deep breath and maybe catch some Z's, they heard chariots and horses coming in the distance. Another trial was coming. Pharaoh had changed his mind and Pharaoh wanted his slaves back. Cue the panic, hashtag, what the heck, God, what's going on here? So put yourself in the Israelite's shoes for a second. You were just a slave to the most powerful man in Egypt. Your friends' and family's lives were saved during the Passover by God's grace through the blood of a lamb. You were finally set free from slavery. Pharaoh no longer had control over you. Freedom is a brand new experience. Freedom is a scary experience. So you follow a cloud, a literal cloud, but also God, through the wilderness and you camped by this massive sea. And when you were about to take a deep breath and sigh in relief, you hear Pharaoh's army in the distance coming straight for you. What the heck? Another trial, more brokenness, more pain. How would you react? in hopelessness, in fear, in anxiety. And we see the Israelites react in these three ways in this moment. Exodus 14, 10 through 12 say, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what you said to do in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For what have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? This scripture shows us how the Israelites react to these three ways, right? So cue the diagram again. The Israelites reacted in fear and in hopelessness, and in anxiety. First, they reacted in fear. It literally says right in scripture that the Israelites feared greatly and cried out to God. Fear is a normal human reaction. We all get afraid, right? And in this case, fear drives them back to slavery. You see, when the Israelites were slaves, they had a purpose. Their slavery gave them a purpose. Pharaoh, their slave master, told them exactly what to do every single day. But now they're free, and they don't have that clear purpose. They're not sure what to do. It was more comfortable for them to be a slave than to be free, which is hard to wrap our minds around. But now they hear that the slave master is coming back, and fear has caused them to want to run right back to slavery, run right back to what gave them a purpose, but what was so bad for them. And even though slavery kept them from the good freedom, they wanted that slavery back. And so for us today, the idea of a slave master actually still exists. We all have a slave master, and our slave master is our phone. Our phone gives us a purpose. It makes us feel safe. And I don't know about you, but when I don't have my phone, I panic. I want my phone to give me security and safety, but the reality is when I don't have my phone, that's when I'm actually free, right? Instead of relying on virtual friendships and having my phone, true freedom is engaging with those around me and having lifelong friendships like God would want me to. Peer pressure is another slave master that we all have. It's so much easier to give into peer pressure and have a purpose by fitting in than to be free and confident in who God made you to be. Fear drives us back to slavery. The next way the Israelites reacted was hopelessness. We see the Israelites crumble in hopelessness. They assume that they're going to die. They feel stuck. They feel paralyzed. And this is similar to how I felt when my grandma died. I didn't know what to do. I felt stuck. Maybe for you, hopelessness looks like you feel really stuck and alone in your trial. And lastly, anxiety. The Israelites let their worries overwhelm them and direct them. They decided to jump in ahead to their own plan, and they assumed their plan was much, much better than God's plan. Their anxious feelings caused them to take control. I wouldn't be surprised if some Israelites just started swimming in the Red Sea. Like, we've got this under control, let's just start swimming, right? So maybe for you this looks like letting worry take over in a situation. Or letting worry take over and jumping in and cheating on a test, or assuming the worst in a situation. Fear would have pushed the Israelites to go back to being slaves. Hopelessness would have crumpled the Israelites to death. Anxiety would have caused the Israelites to jump into the Red Sea before it was parted. But Moses reminded the people there's another way to react. Exodus 14, 13 through 14 says, Do not be afraid. Stand stand firm, and you see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is crazy stuff. An army is literally coming to attack these people, and God tells them to be still. What does that even mean? How does being still even make any logical sense when you're about to be attacked? That's the thing it doesn't make sense. Because God never promised that there wouldn't be another trial. God never promised that they wouldn't be afraid. God never promised that life would be easy. But God did promise his peace through being still in him. You see, God has been with the Israelites throughout this whole journey. Through each and every trial, God has been there. God has given them his peace over and over again, and he will do that again. One name for God, um, there's lots of different names for God, if you guys didn't know that, is actually Jehovah Shalom. And this phrase, Jehovah Shalom, actually means the Lord my peace. And we just sang a song um, right before I came up and talked, And it's a song called Peace, and it actually had this phrase in it, Jehovah Shalom. And it said, I will be still, for I've known all along my Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. In an overwhelming world, guys, God promises peace through being still in him. Picture two million people about to be attacked, and instead of reacting in fear, or hopelessness, or anxiety, they choose to be still, physically, by standing there and waiting for God to tell them what to do next. They chose to be still in their minds by letting go of their thoughts and trusting God. They chose to be still in their hearts by resting in God's promises. And God, the Lord my peace, gave them, gave them his peace. In an overwhelming world, God promises peace, through being still in Him And that's not the end of the story. Exodus 14:15 says, "The Lord said to Moses, "Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground." It was only after the Israelites were still that God told them to go forward. And it was only after God told them to go forward that he split the Red Sea and gave them the ultimate freedom from Pharaoh. God split the sea so they could walk right through it. Their fears, their hopelessness, their anxiety were drowned in perfect love. Perfect love always wins. And Jesus, perfect love in human form, came down to earth experienced so many of the same trials we experience every single day, and he died on the cross and rose again so that you can be free from slavery, so that you can experience the Lord my peace. God split the sea so that you can walk right through it, so that your fears and hopelessness and anxiety are drowned in perfect love. When my grandma died, God was with me in my hopelessness. God was with me in my self-harm. God was with me in my fear and my anxiety that I was feeling, and God wept with me too. He meets us right where we are at, and not necessarily through a big, huge cloud like the Israelites had, but we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts inside of us, leading us and showing us the way, which is so much better. And in the midst of my trial with my grandma, one of my friends, Leah, was kind of like Moses in my life. She constantly reminded me that the best thing that I could do was to be still in Jesus. And slowly but surely, I chose to be still physically by sitting outside and looking at the stars. I chose to be still in my mind by verbalizing my anxious thoughts and my self-harm struggles to my youth group director, Linda, while sipping on smoothies. I chose to be still in my heart while walking around the hallways at school and repeating to myself over and over again that I was God's child and my identity is in who he says that I am. Did my trial end in a snap of a finger? No. Did I never ever have another trial again in my life? No. But I could take a deep breath and feel a renewed sense of peace that passes all understanding, a peace that only comes from Jesus. In an overwhelming world, God promises peace through being still in Him. And it was only after that I was still that God told me to take a step forward. And it was only after God told me to take a step forward that He split the Red Sea in my life. And God gave me ultimate freedom from not only self-harm, but freedom for me to be who He created me to be, a better friend, a stronger leader, a future youth director, and, most importantly, his sweet girl. So what does this mean for you? That the Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace, is fighting for you, and he wants you to be still. What's overwhelming in your world right now? A specific trial, a divorce, school, peer pressure, sports, social media. And how do you usually react to these trials? Do you run away in fear? Do you crumple in hopelessness? Do you jump ahead in anxiety? And I think it's important to mention here that it's human and it's normal to experience all these reactions, that it's okay to not be okay. We should experience these feelings. And we read firsthand how the Israelites reacted in these ways and how God met them right where they are at. And many times it's when we're feeling this fear or this anxiety or this hopelessness then that's when God is able to whisper to us, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So how can you choose to be still? Physically, in your mind, in your heart. Maybe being still for you looks like praying as you walk from class to class in the hallways, or having a really hard conversation with one of your parents, or listening to worship music while doing homework, going to see a mental health counselor, Maybe it's just playing basketball with your friends, and that's your way to be still and be free. Or putting your phone away an hour or so before you go to bed. In an overwhelming world, God promises peace through being still in Him. And as you guys have noticed, chaos tonight looks really different than normal. I promise it's just tonight. And I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship band up and kind of explain to you what's going to happen next. So we are actually going to take some time Um, some extended time to practice what it looks like to be still in God's peace in two big ways the first way is we really believe in prayer and we believe prayer is an important way to be still and stand still in God's peace so tonight each of you are going to be prayed for individually by your small group leaders we know that we aren't meant to go through trials alone there were two million Israelites and Jesus had 12 disciples And so tonight, you have your small group leaders um, just to pray with you and enter into being still together. And so when you aren't praying one-on-one with your small group leader, we have a really cool opportunity to be still through multiple different stations across the room. So over here to my right, you'll see the prayer wall, and you can be still by being honest with God by writing a prayer of something you need help with or something that you're thankful for. And then once you write a prayer, you will put your fingerprint on an ink pad and pray over someone else's prayer. And once you pray for that person, you can put your fingerprint on their prayer and show that we are covering one another in love. The next station is called Leave It at the Cross. And you can be still by writing down a trial that you are struggling with. And then you're going to give it to God by taking your trial and wiping it on the white cloth. And this is going to show you that Jesus wants to take that trial from you. And once you do that, Chelsea has a gift to remind you of what you did, that you let go of your trial and gave it to God. The next station is peace. And this is to remind us of the cloud that God used to lead the Israelites and how we have this cloud, this Holy Spirit in our hearts. And so you can be still by remembering and riding on the cloud how God has revealed his peace to you in your life. Where have you seen God at work in your life? The next station is Operation Christmas Child. We started talking about this last week, and so we just want to pray um, for those around the world who might be different than us, who are blessing with these boxes. Um, so that's just your opportunity to pray for them. The station in the back corner is called Color and Be Still. And sometimes we just need to be still and actually physically slow down our bodies. Um, so, the, so there is some bookmarks back there that you can color and sit and just be still. The next station is called Take What You Need. Um, So there's containers, and you can be still by literally um, reading God's word based on what you need. And so there's different containers for anxiety or fear or self-worth, and you could read exactly what God has to say about those things. On this side is the question box. And so you can be still by sharing your doubts and questions with God, just as the Israelites did. So, you can share your angry thoughts with God. You can share your why thoughts with God. And you don't have to write your name on these or anything, but you can. And then you're going to put them in the question box as a way of sharing your questions with God. Over here is the mirror station. Um, So, it's really important to know who God calls us to be. So, you can be still by remembering how God says, You are his child and who you are in God, and so you're going to write on a sticky note who you are, and then go ahead and stick it on the mirror, and by the end of the night, we'll see um, all who God says we are. And then lastly, we have this station right here, and this is the worship station. So this, as this night is going on, the worship band is just going to play some relaxing um, worship music for us. And so there's some lyrics over here, if you want to grab one of those sheets, and listen to the words that the band is speaking and sharing from God's truth. And so tonight, we know we're taking it a little bit more seriously. We really love to have fun, but we also love to have high truth. And so this is just a night for you to be completely honest with yourself, with God, with those around you. And then once we finish this up, I promise we're going to have some fun afterwards. So we just encourage you um, to really sit and experience and yearn to hear God in a new way tonight. So before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to sing this song together. Heavenly Father, thank you for a chance just to sit. God, you know each of the trials that we are going through. You see all of us, God, but you see each of us. So I just pray tonight that you would just calm our hearts, that we would sit and being uncomfortable and being honest and being silent. And God, that you would just speak in new ways to us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And we just pray you would fill this atmosphere with your love and with who you are. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and rise again so we have a way back to you, God. We love you in your holy name, amen.
1: unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave have chosen me, love has called my name, and I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through my veins, cause I'm no longer a slave.